the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I do appreciate it. Again, I know that you have a choice out there and I hope I'm doing everything I can to educate you on retirement. I want you to get to a million dollars before we retire. Um, I would love some feedback from you over the long weekend. If you can tell me, when do you listen and how do you listen? Are you listening live on KDOW 1220? Or are you listening on KDOW.biz on the stream? Are you listening to a podcast? Any sort of feedback I can get is useful, so I can design product for you. And any sort of feedback that you want to give me along the lines of, hey, I would like more specific stories about millennials, or I would like more specific stories about retirement and mistakes or financial planning in retirement. Um, I try to mix it up, and sometimes it works better than others, and sometimes it's just a flop. Um, And I realize that. I think it's the nature of the business as far as giving uh, insight into money and investing. One stock that I like to talk a lot about is Apple. And Apple is one of those, I'm going to say problem children right now. And what I mean by that, probably shouldn't be considered mean. I own shares of Apple, but they're hurting themselves right now because of their own success in the past and because they're huge market value. One thing that Apple needs to do is they they want to get into the video business, take on Hulu and take on Netflix. But Netflix had a huge advantage when it got into streaming. It was the DVD business, right? Um, anytime you do a subscription model, you want to have a ca- an entryway to kind of like pad it a little bit or to upsell. And... Uh, Apple is launching Apple Music on that, you know, basis of itself. So will Spotify be able to compete? No chance in the future. Because I think you're going to be getting a video and audio bundle from Apple down the road. And I think that'll be attractive to a lot of people. It's, you know, we use our devices not just for music, but also for video. So 
So think about that and know that Apple is a really big company worth a lot of money. And the recent market pullback has given them a, a pretty good chance of buying their own shares. Is it enough? No. You have to grasp that it's just that big of a company. And I own shares, and I think it's got one more big push of growth at it. But they came out with iPhone 6 last year, where a lot of people were like, fine, I'll buy an iPhone. But now we're also starting to see grandmothers use iPhones. I know a couple grandmothers that use the iPhone, and that means it's no longer cool to the 12-year-old. And the 12-year-old's the shopper. Apple prepares to introduce its latest iPhones next week. It's going to be a big week, September 9th. Apple's bigger screen iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus introduced a year ago, reignited sales for Apple smartphones, propelled the company to record profits. It solidified Apple's standing in China. But now we're starting to lose catalysts. Like, okay, China's good. China's good. We're good with China. And, you know, the Apple iPhone platform is great. That's dominated America, and it's a status symbol. Can they sell enough watches to move the stock? Probably not. Can they sell enough music subscriptions to move the stock? They could, but probably not a lot. When you're talking about a company that's worth $700 billion plus billion, give or take on any given day, $50 billion depending on the stock market, it becomes mathematically unsustainable. So if iPhone sales grow 3% to 237 million units, in the fiscal year starting in October, that's pretty good. But is there a lot of growth in it? So there's something called market realities. The changes in the new iPhones won't be as dramatic as last year when Apple offered a larger screen model for the first time. Now it's going to have this push technology, force touch when you, like, it, you can do different things with how you touch your phone. But Apple's referred to caught up is is, is caught up in what's called a TikTok cycle. A TikTok cycle, um, which is an approach Intel had for years. In a tick year, Apple introduces a major design change, such as last year's bigger displays. In the talk cycle, or in the talk year, it refines the design, makes much more significant changes in software. This is the talk year, when growth typically is more moderate. Apple will reveal on the 9th a new phone. That'll have probably under hood changes like a faster processor, a sharper camera. That force tech, force touch technology. That technology is incorporated in the Apple Watch at this point in time. Um, they'll probably come out with some new Mac computers. They'll probably come out with a, well, we know where they're coming out with a new Apple TV product because it's been years. And they're upping, they're more than doubling the price of it, tripling it fact if you look at it uh, and it's even more of a computer and less of a wireless hub it'll still have the wireless hub technology but you get the idea I would love to see Apple build a digital antenna into their Apple TV product so people can get local programs um, because I think we're moving more and more away from the cable bundle I was on the phone last night with Comcast for almost 40 minutes, uh, all because I have my own modem and they're charging me for my modem. And interestingly enough, it's 
they give me a bundle price because I get the modem. They give me the bundle price because I get the internet along with the cable, along with phone service. And I don't ever use the phone service, but when I have my own modem, I can't use their phone service. So I gave them back their old modem that could use the phone service. But because it was a bundle, they still want to charge me for it. I'm like, oh, seriously? Seriously. I spent 40 minutes on this. Anyway, back to Apple. Um, the bar is pretty high right now. Apple's iPhone is the most important product the company has. It accounts for about two-thirds of their revenue. The results of the last year have been a very high-set bar. iPhone revenue grew at its fastest rate in two years. And, yeah, I, I do think we're going to pay. We're no longer going to say, hey, when's China going to come? China came. We're no longer going to say, hey, when's, you know, the big phone coming? Big phone came. Now we're t- starting to talk about switchers, people who go switch from Google to Apple. And they're, they're there, the switchers. Apple learned the price of missing outsized expectations in July when it said its fiscal third quarter iPhone sales rose 35%, short of some forecast. Shares plunged on that day. Now... Apple's ordered an egregious number of iPhone 6s, which is what we think it's going to be called. So there's still room for growth. Tim Cook mentioned that only 27% of its customer base has upgraded to iPhone 6 or 6 Plus. Many others are, quote-unquote, switching from Android phones. Um, there's not going to... A company that's $600, $700 billion, it's very, very tough when you're the largest valued company in the world to continue at that pace. Now, again... Will they use music to step into video? I do believe they will. Will they eventually compete with Netflix? I do eventually think they will. And you could take a look at Netflix and go, whoa, there's some upside. Um, I'm just saying temper your expectations. And know it's it's a more mature company than it was in the past. So the growthiness um, won't be as exciting. Do I think it has one more sexy push? I do. I own shares of Apple. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Don't forget, I got a seminar cut up. You can learn more about it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. Chad, you and I both do an event called the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. It's a fascinating concept. Income when you're no longer working. Income when you're fly fishing, income in retirement. Uh, what sections help retirees deal with tough market conditions, which, you know, they come and go. Corrections happen. Uh, what should we know? 
Well, there's kind of two sections that will deal with that. Are we talking about tough interest rate conditions or are we talking about poor market conditions? Or, or let's say, which one do you want to discuss first? Poor market conditions. Okay, so with poor market conditions, there's two things, two major parts of the uh, 10 pillars that I go through how to deal with tough market conditions. The market's positive 70% of the time on average. Uh, we go through corrections usually every you know three to five years. You have the big 20% dips. We just hadn't seen one for quite a while since 2009. So there's two sections. The main piece of it is the safe money portion. So I go through in detail how to how to calculate how much safe money a retiree has. If you're still working and you're in your 30s and 40s, you need six to 12 months of cash. To, so that if you're disabled for a short period of time, you have the cash until your disability policy kicks in, or if you are out of work for a while, um, you know, if, if you're a salesperson, you're always jumping around jobs, for example, maybe it's a little bit more than that. But when you're retired, you have to calculate your safe money. It's five years at least prior to retirement, you want your safe money in place so that if you do retire in a down market, you have safe money to live off of. And so that's three years worth of portfolio draws. And if you set up your portfolio the right way, your three years worth of portfolio draws will be supported by your dividend and interest income and income from some alternative retirement products, and it should last somewhere between five and six years. Um, the other way that you deal with that is each and every quarter you should be looking at your portfolio and saying, I spent X out of my saved money. If the market is up, you need to pull that number, that that X amount out of your portfolio, peel some of the growth. That means you have to sell some things that have done well in order to replenish that cash. So that way when you go into a negative quarter in the stock market, you don't pull anything out of your portfolio, but you do rebalance your portfolio. You go through a negative quarter in uh, the stock market where stocks are down and your 60%, you know, 40% portfolio becomes 55-45, hey, you've got some bonds and cash in your portfolio that you'll be able to trim and rebalance and, and buy some of the stuff that's gone down. That's how people should be looking at their portfolios when they're young. But when you're older, it's kind of like, oh, market's up, peel some of the growth, replenish to save money. Market's down, just rebalance the portfolio and let it ride. So uh, rebalancing and safe money, those are kind of the keys to, the, to deal with market corrections, to stock market corrections. Let's talk about interest rate environments in retirement and income planning. I'm speaking with CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Always doing seminars, one coming up. You can check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk interest rate environments in retirees. What do we need to know? Well, you still need to stick with the traditional asset allocation that you're comfortable with. So the problem that I'm seeing all too often is that when the market's done so well for so long and now we're pushing P.E. ratios up to the higher limits of the 10-year averages and beyond that, um, a lot of people started using income-producing stocks or, or stocks that pay high dividends as bond alternatives. And those are the same people that are now that, that tend to panic when you do get that 10 to 15% correction. Stocks are not bond alternatives. That's lesson number one. So you need to figure out what your risk tolerance is and what your portfolio should be like. And let's say that's you know, if you set your three years worth of expenses and cash aside, if you're going much over, you know, 65% growth in your portfolio, you're probably taking a bit too much risk in retirement, um, unless you're, you know, really wealthy and you don't really care about volatility. So 
stick with that number and, and continue to rebalance. So that means you need somewhere between 30 to 50% in bonds. And there are still decent bond funds that you need to look at. Now, in the past, Rob, I'd like to take bonds and just ladder them out and buy individual bonds, but that's not where we are now. We're, we're in the area of unconstrained bonds dealing with the ability to kind of buy where the, the opportunities where we find them, where the manager finds them, whether that's Jenny Mays or TIPS or corporates or treasuries or whatever, but they can hedge against rising rates. Um, but if, if we're looking at a portfolio that's 40%, let's say, in bonds, at least half of that is going into correct bond alternatives. And when I say correct bond alternatives, usually there are no-load products where you can get a balanced portfolio. So you can take bond money and you get a balanced portfolio. It allows you to put some of it in the equity markets. But a highly rated insurance company says, okay, you know what? If you ever run out of money in this account when you're 80, 90 years old, if you ever run out of money because of poor market conditions, we'll continue to pay you somewhere between 4 to 6% of what your original investment is, even if the account's to zero. So you got some backing by a big insurance company to do that. There's some good no-load products that do that. So to deal with a tough interest rate environment, you have to look at some of the retirement products that are out there. Um, those are going to be good, and those are going to be something you should look at until 10-year Treasury probably gets back up to around 4%. Until then, those are great products to help you get through and deal with low interest rates. Um, and uh, where it's a tough time to retire, Rob. I mean, the market's elevated. It's kind of fairly to fully valued. We've got extremely low interest rates and CDs paying next to nothing. So you have to really kind of manage your portfolio on a quarterly basis, rebalance, and look at some of these alternative products that are out there. Changing topics ever so slightly. I'm speaking with CFP Chad Burton about income and retirement. And we've got about a minute, not a lot of time. But I saw a recent study that said one out of three, one out of three people blow their inheritance. Any commentary on that? Yeah, it's it's just like uh, the, the lottery person that tends to be bankrupt after a certain period of time. Um, before you do anything with an inheritance, before you do anything with any kind of a windfall, you need to sit down and do a financial plan because a lot of the times the, the people that do that, you know, there's, there's so much wealth in uh, people that are over 80, let's say. People that are under that haven't saved. They get a lump sum of money. They think they're rich, but they don't understand the present value money, the years and years of inflation, and what it's really worth. So before you spend or invest the windfall, pay to get a financial plan done. Pay to get a long-term detailed cash flow analysis to see how much that's really worth and how you should put those monies to work before you make mistakes that will ruin your plan forever. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton with NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. He came on to plug a seminar coming up in about a week, uh, one Thursday from now. It's going to be a w- Income in Retirement, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning in Pleasanton on September 10th. You can sign up for it. It's the Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel today. Uh, sign up for it today, next Thursday from 630 to 9. Sign up at... Uh, newfocusfinancial.com it's newfocusfinancial.com I'm Rob Black talking all things financial thanks for listening
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. From investing to the stock markets to gadgets. Should you invest in gadgets? Uh, a lot of thoughts out there. Let's bring in Scott Gam from thestreet.com. Scott, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Good. Give us a little background on what you do for the street and a little color on who you are. Uh, well, we report on markets, the economy every day, and certainly we're all watching uh, closely for Friday's jobs report. Uh, this will be the final labor report before the Federal Reserve September meeting, which, of course, economists and investors have been watching for months. Is That seems to be, although lately some of the forecasts have shifted outward, but that seems to be when most economists think the Fed will, will lift interest rates. But given the turmoil, uh, turmoil we've been seeing in the markets, uh, certainly that could prompt the Fed to delay its looming rate hike. What is the expectation? Because you've summed it up very quickly that the market's focused on tomorrow, Friday, jobs report. It seems to me, and you can help me with this, the number's like 250, 260,000 jobs created. Fed's going to raise rates in September. If the number's more like 180, 170,000, the Fed may push it back a little bit longer. But I I say that's a fair assessment, although what many economists will say is that one number doesn't make a trend. And we have been seeing job growth north of 200,000, you know, in recent months, and that's been certainly a plus for the Fed in terms of justifying a September rate hike. But you know, investors are scared, and you know, the Fed isn't necessarily worried about investors per se or the markets. You know, you could call the volatility we've seen in recent weeks as a knee-jerk reaction to China or just to you know trepidation over what the Fed will do. But you know, ultimately, a rate hike would signify that the economy is able to stand on its own two feet, but yet investors are worried about this this rate hike uh, since low rates have helped fuel this six-year bull rally that we've had, and certainly investors want that to continue. So your expectation, do are you leaning anywhere on where the numbers come in tomorrow? Well, I mean, we had, you know, some, some ADP numbers uh, this week, which were pretty lackluster. Uh, I mean, some of the Forecasts suggest 223,000 non-farm payrolls for tomorrow. Uh, but if there's anything we learned in Jackson from Jackson Hole over the weekend, which was that annual uh, Fed gathering, you know, central bankers seem torn over whether to, to tighten in uh, September or not. So when uh, we had Vice Chair Stanley Fisher basically say last week to CNBC that it's too early to tell, uh, and here we are, you know, two weeks before the meeting. So. You know, certainly a lot could happen from now until then. Doesn't it seem kind of silly, and I'm stealing someone else's thunder when I use this, doesn't it seem kind of silly that we've been years and years and years of low interest rates, and now we're down to one final jobs number is going to be the make or break? It seems a little dramatic that it's all coming down to tomorrow on whether or not the Fed raises rates in this scenario of September or not. Well, that's it certainly the feeling among investors. But for the Fed, I don't think this rate hike sort of 
depends on what happens tomorrow. I mean, the reason okay. we're putting tomorrow into focus is because of all the volatility we've had in the past two weeks. And of course, you know, a rate hike would jolt the markets yet again. And the Fed doesn't necessarily want to do that. Although, again, they're most mostly focused on their dual mandate, which is stable uh, prices and employment. So, you know, the stock market really doesn't fit into that equation. Although the Fed knows how closely it's it's being watched right now, uh, and they don't want to shock markets again. But ultimately, they're going to do, you know, what's what's what in their view is best for the economy. Uh, and another side of this is that they're almost out of tools when it comes to propping up the economy. Should we re-enter a global recession? Right? You have over four trillion dollars on their balance sheet. You have interest rates already near zero. So what else can they do should things go south again? So there's one argument that says, well, they should lift rates in September just to give them the option of lowering them yet again in a few months should this China situation really become more of a global worry. Is there anything else that you're working on right now, Scott Gam, that we should be aware of at Street.com? Well, this morning we had European Central Bank President Mario Draghi had a pretty dovish tone in his press conference wrapping up his September meeting, basically leaving the door open for more stimulus ahead, which began back in March. And I think that was pretty you know, expected. There was nothing too new from that front, but it just shows you how worried central bankers are across the globe. And you know, certainly the Fed will be watching what happens in Europe, and they've been watching what took place this morning. Um, but Europe's sort of at a different point of the economic recovery than the U.S. is, so uh, it's not exactly an apples-to-apples comparison. How do you feel about what we're seeing coming out of China? Is it a, a blip on the radar tied towards their military parade that they're kind of slowing down activity a little bit? Do you think it's uh, more the consumer in China is starting to get a little tired is the manufacturing's extended? What do you see coming out of China? Well, look, they're trying to transition their economy from growth to consumption, and that's not an overnight process. So, you know, seeing this volatility, seeing uh, what they're doing with their stock market, their currency, uh, you know, is just a symptom of that and them trying to sort of move that process along. Anything else you want to add as far as insights into this morning for us? I think that's it. We'll certainly be watching okay. tomorrow's number. Well, one piece of good news is uh, Tom Brady looks like he'll be playing, so that should help the jobs report for September <laughs> slash October. Thanks very much. It's Scott Gam with thestreet.com, giving us a little bit of insight into what's going on in the U.S. economy. We are focused, hyper-focused. And if, how can this not be dramatic tomorrow? And thus, maybe it won't be dramatic tomorrow. Uh, when we take a look at the numbers with the jobs report coming out first Friday of the month. Um, I often refer to it as the most important piece of economic data in the United States, i.e. if we're creating jobs, unemployment's 5.3, 5.4, in that ballpark. Uh, it, it's, it's very good. We are a society that likes to use our paychecks to buy things. Um, so I'm actually pretty cool with that. I think it's a, a good thing. So we're going to be paying attention to that tomorrow, uh, a number that would disappoint, 170, 180, and that may actually rally the market. Bad news is good news on the market sometimes because it keeps interest rates low. Now, as Scott said, you know, the Fed probably should 
raise interest rates just to have ammo down the road of lowering interest rates. Uh, when you're at near zero, it's tough to go negative zero, although Europe found a way to do that as far as punishing uh, uh, savings rates. But I don't know. We have a cooling China, and that's been a big story uh, for August slash September. A cooling China. Now, we won't really get a lot of data until next week on how cool is China when they give out a little more economic data. Are they cooling because they've got a big military parade coming up? Uh, their markets are shut down Thursday and Friday this week because they're going to celebrate the end of, not the end of World War II, but World War II. And they're going to celebrate it with some people like North Korea. And you're like, boo, <laughs> communists getting together, boo. Uh, well, I guess we can't call China communists anymore, can we? Or can we? Anyhow, and anyway, um, I, I, I feel pretty good about where we are. And I think history has shown us that corrections are buying opportunities historically on Wall Street. Uh, you want to buy early, you want to buy often, you want to buy cheap in a market correction and a market bear market. Now, that is if you have the right time frame and the right, right risk profile. Um, you're not going to catch lows. You're not going to do it perfectly, I promise you. And that's going to make you a little on the crazy side. So people who are cautious in the markets, I get it. I get it because you get kind of crazy buying paper money and seniors, you know, hey, I just bought Bank of America at 15 and now it's at 14 and a half. Um, that can make you crazy. I totally get it. Um, but the truth is, is that you won't know the difference between 15 and 14 and a half in 10, 15, 20, 30 years. So that's the type of time frame that you need to have in mind. The very, very minimum is five years. So if you buy a stock and you email me and go, I bought the stock and it's down, I'm like, have you waited five years? And you say, no. I'm going to say, well, then you're trading a stock. And if you trade a stock, you absolutely positively have to have um, the story in your head right. If it drops 10%, you're out because it's tough to recover that. On a trade, on an investment, you can dollar cost average into it and get a better price. Um, but historically the stock market in bear markets has recovered in on average three and a half years, the worst case scenario, five years until it hit market highs again. So don't believe your neighbor who's like, buy gold. Don't believe your neighbor who's like, buy real estate. What you want to do is have a diversified portfolio. You want to have assets like stocks, bonds, and real estate. I have no bonds. So I'm being a bit of a hypocrite when I say that. Uh, I'm not a bond guy. So shows you that I skew a little bit in a different direction. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Always got a seminar coming up. Uh, in fact, I got one coming up. And you can find out more about it if it's in your area. You can sign up for a newsletter at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do wildly appreciate it. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Going through some of the top stories of the day, weekly jobless claims total 282,000. Big numbers tomorrow on Friday. Serena Williams is absent from athletes that rake in with big endorsements. Um, There's at least three women ahead of her, of which they can't beat her. So U.S. Open going on. I threw that story in for that reason alone. Uh, Annie Murray sent a big deal to with Under Armour. It was a four-year deal where he's going to wear their products and their shoes, and they just can't seem to get the shoe right. And thus, he is having problems with it, and he's going with an Adidas shoe. <laughs> Sometimes these business deals get a little messy. I like Under Armour stock for a long-term patient growth investor. I think they're doing things right. Uh, I love Nike. If I had to hold one, just one, I'd own Nike for the next 30 years. But uh, if I could own both, I would. Tesla Signature. Series Model X starting deliverables September 29th. Holy mackerel. In less than a month, we're going to start seeing these crazy cars that are SUVs that cost 132 dollars to $144,000. But even more important or even more of note, Tesla said today that they're going to start taking orders for their low-cost Model 3 electric car in March. Um, and they said the Model 3 will start production in about two years. Manufacturing index, a non-manufacturing index, i.e. a services index, came out, and it was a little bit better than expected in the United States. Things are okay here. Uh, there's a big market sell-off. Uh, first thing you go to is the jobs report, and then you start figuring out other things like interest rates and inflation, but I feel pretty good, all things considered. Almost half of homes in New York City and Washington, D.C. are now losing value. Um, that's worthy of note because that'll happen here in the Bay Area. It'll happen in any area at some point in time, right? Um, it's been in an asset bubble, uh, a bullish asset bubble real estate has been. I own high-end real estate. I'm okay with some air coming out of the tire. Unlike a bicycle, I can still live in it. Unlike a bicycle, you can't ride when there's out of the tire. Um, Lululemon. Lululemon. Creepy alert. Creepy alert. I love Lululemon. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um... I work out every day for a couple of hours, and the clothes that women wear, and men too, have become far crazier sexy workout clothes than ever before. Um, and people pay a super premium to, to wear Lululemon clothes. It's not cheap. And that's something that, as a trend, you want in your favor. I think the stock has some upside from here as they've gotten rid of their CEO and they've put that sheer pants behind them. Do you know what their new new line of pant wear is called? Remember, they got a lot of heat for their sheer pants where you could see through them. So if a woman was wearing well, I'm not even going to get in that. You can understand what seeing through them is. But um, their new line of pants is called Naked. Probably not my first choice. Right? Is he right? Piper Jaffray today upgraded the online auction site to neutral uh, eBay from Underweight. Just reflecting shareholder impact from the completed PayPal spinoff. I think PayPal has got some upside. Schlumberger, also known as Schlumberger, Citigroup upgraded the oil field services to buy on the basis that the firm strategy and ability to deliver will allow the stock to outperform with an approximate annual upside of about 15% over the next three years. 
That's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, uh, what do we have? Hmm. Back to Lululemon. Because their clothes are so expensive, their margins are really attractive and expanding. Um, Medtronic, medical device maker, they said profit increased to $1.4 billion, up from $992 million. Um, good. Good. Campbell Soup. It's mm good. Is that Campbell Soup's catchphrase? Uh, packaged food maker posted an 8.6% decline in quarterly sales, pressured by a strong dollar and a weak U.S. simple meal sales. Uh, they're part of that whole packaged, manufactured uh, food, and people don't like people don't like it. GoPro stock is being rocked by suppliers' disappointing outlook. One of their camera suppliers has basically come out and said, "Hey, uh, one of their camera sensor suppliers." Uh, it's called Amberella. Amberella, Ella, Ella, Ella. Um, has said, you know, we got nothing coming out. You know, our sensors aren't going to be rocking this holiday season because, you know, the two big buyers of our goods, GoPro and Xiaomi, um, don't have any new product launches. So that means GoPro doesn't have a new product launch. Oh, my God. Look at the calendar right now. September, October, November. Ding, 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 Christmas. And GoPro is a big Christmas stocking stuffer. Um, GoPro is starting to get really interesting on a valuation basis. Just throwing that out there for you. Uh, now, there's a chance that GoPro could use a new supplier and come out with a new camera before Christmas, but so far they've always used this one supplier. So we're kind of doubting that. Twitter is shuffling their product team amid a CEO search. That could come as soon as today. Stock would move higher if they named a CEO. Uh, that Wall Street likes. Uh, some, a woman from Cisco is being highly, highly pursued at this point in time. General Mills is going to sell Green Giant. Oh, 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 Green Giant. Um, I hated those commercials as a kid. And then Little Sprout, like I still didn't want to eat my broccoli. No, no. But General Mills is saying like, hey, um, consumer tastes are changing and they don't want frozen food. Um, I dated a millennial at one point in time that was like, she was incredibly anti anything packaged or uh, not fresh. And millennials are the buyers of the future. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll be back. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Got a seminar coming up. Sign up. Sign up. Take a break here. I'll talk to you in about 22 hours. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.